SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Eastern Conference Finals is back tonight in the NBA. Of course, we have teams clinching the postseason in Major League Baseball and the latest around the NFL news and notes, covering it all for you, fantasy, wagering, reality as well. This is Fantasy Sports Today here on this Wednesday, September the 23rd, 2020. I am Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizapia. We'll get to all the NFL news and notes in just a minute. Of course, where I live here in South Florida, we are buzzing here, Joe. We haven't had a lot of success in sports over the last 20 years. We have the Miami Heat here in South Florida playing for the Eastern Conference Finals. We have the Miami Marlins on the cusp of a postseason appearance for the first time since 2003. And if only the Miami Dolphins can kind of uh, right the ship tomorrow night, everybody would be super happy here. And uh, certainly there's a lot to get to on the show today all around the gamut. <laughs> Definitely is. And if you want to travel north, you can even talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars and Gardner Minshew. What a great start to the season he's had. And again, the battle of it. It seems like a, a Florida Central week, I would say, uh, this week in the NFL. It feels like we're kind of pushing on a lot of narratives going on there with the Florida team. So Thursday night football just upon us almost. So, uh, yeah, all of a sudden, hopefully no Florida man shows up and ruins the whole thing. That's that's the big hope. And just as a reminder, Jacksonville is not really Florida. I mean, it's it's pretty much the equivalent of, of, of you uh, living in New Jersey, uh, going to um, see the Ravens and saying that you know that that's it, it's this. It, Jacksonville is very very far from where I'm at. Jacksonville is a lot closer to Georgia than it is to uh, yeah. South Florida. But but listen, we'll we'll put them in the state. We'll also put Tallahassee in the state. I get it. We have a big state here, but realistically speaking, Jacksonville is. Not you know, closer I know. to Georgia. I said travel north. I I, I got you. I got a you. lot further north. A lot north. I, I it's easier to fly to Jacksonville than it is to drive. So. <laughs> when I lived when I lived in Gainesville, it was only an hour away. So Florida Georgia game in Gainesville was fantastic. But I live very very far from Jacksonville these days. But regardless, okay, let's get to the headlines here on this Wednesday. We have a lot to get to here. And and some football, of course, but there's a lot of other things happening. So let's touch on them. Uh, Indians clinched the postseason on a walk-off from Jose Ramirez. We'll talk about Jose Ramirez coming up in a minute. But what a season he has had. And it looks like at this point, with a few games left, he's the MVP of the American League. Uh, speaking of which, the Atlanta Braves may have the MVP on their team in the NL. It very well could be Freddie Freeman. He's having a fantastic year. They clinched the postseason again and win the division again. The boring old Braves, all they do is win. Uh, how about the Denver Nuggets last night? They upset the Lakers to stay alive in the Western Conference Finals. It was a very poorly played game by the Lakers. I think that's kind of why Denver won that game yesterday. We'll see what happens if uh, L.A. can respond in the next one. Billy Donovan, speaking of Gators, former Gator head coach, hired by the Chicago Bulls. Great hire for them. It's good success at Oklahoma City. But, again, doesn't always see eye-to-eye with the ownership, and I'm guessing that's what happened in OKC. Now we'll see if he could get along with the people in Chicago. He's a very good coach. It's just a matter of the relationships there. Uh, Devonta Freeman who uh, had, a, if I'm not mistaken, a guaranteed offer of millions of dollars to play, maybe even start with Seattle, turned it down, couldn't find a job. And good luck to him now playing with the New York Giants. I know his name is very popular on the waiver wire this week, and certainly his name should be very popular. But also remember, 
uh, after you finish going to the bathroom in the morning, what happens when you flush the toilet? This is a very similar waiver wire pick this week. Uh, your name takes on the Forest coming up uh, this Saturday. Nope, no more. This uh, this game has been canceled. College football has seen a litany of cancellations, unfortunately. They have a lot of kids who are on campus, and uh, they're trying to do their best to keep them safe. And so uh, hopefully Notre Dame will be able to continue their season in two weeks, but this was always going to be the dynamic in all of sports. In fact, somewhere between 5 and 7%, once that number hits most schools, they decide to cancel the game, and I believe that's what happened with Notre Dame. So uh, that's where we'll start off the show here on this Wednesday, Joe. Boy. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. Today, coming up in our second hour of the show, Dr. David Chow, pro football doc, will discuss all of the injuries around the NFL. And trust me, we went through about a dozen of them, so you'll get the latest on that. Remember, Dr. Chow worked for the Chargers many years ago, so he's going to weigh in on the situation with uh, the Chargers, uh, Tyrod Taylor versus Justin Herbert. We have some clarity on that now. It looks like Herbert's going to start this week. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, But Dr. Chow's really educated on the subject, and he'll uh, tell us exactly what happened and how it happened coming up a little bit later. Uh, Okay, so over to baseball we go. And, Joe, last night's fantasy standout, you got to start, I think, with the MVP of, or at least what could, who could be the MVP of the American League. And as we look at the standouts from last night, I think that you have the winner and the runner-up, one, two, one way or the other, both here, right at the top. Because Jose Ramirez hit a walk-off shot to put the Indians in the postseason, and the voters are going to remember that, <laughs> no doubt. He drove in three runs, but earlier in the game, Jose Abreu hit his 19th home run. So it's, it is a tough call. But if you're just looking at war, Jose Ramirez is the guy who plays a premium uh, infield position. So I think he'll probably end up winning it. Max Stasi is definitely a name for next year, like a couple of the other Angels who we've discussed. He's up to seven home runs now. This is a kid who used to play very little and sparingly with Houston and has mm-hmm. really found a home with the Angels here. I would expect him to be their starter next year. He plays a little defense, too, and, and has seven home runs. Drove in three runs yesterday. Speaking of Houston, Framber Valdez been a little up and down. He had a good start yesterday. Seven innings pitch, five hits, and earned run eight strikeouts. Austin Gomber pushing the Cardinals into the postseason. He's going to start game two or three for them probably. He's been amazing. Six innings pitch, no earned runs, three strikeouts. He's now six and two. Dylan Carlson's had a really tough time, so it's good to see him have at least one good game this year. He's batting under 200, three hits, two RBIs, and two runs. And then A.J. Pollock, I mean, this one snuck up on me. I did not realize that he had 13 home runs, but he did hit his 13th homer of the season yesterday and so those are our standouts joe in terms of major league baseball yes oh beautiful for spacious skies for framber valdez games oh that's right i got a new song you did not i was ready for it and i know we kind of jumped we got excited about byron bucks and tried to cut me off byron i'm singing don't you try to cut me off okay this is not this is not the voice, okay, where you just get to turn around and you get to start talking, Byron, okay? So don't even try that. But I brought we'll you get the to Framber is the color. We'll get to him in a second. But, you know, the Framber is the cover color of my energy I gave you last week. So I gave you a new song for Framber Valdez this week. I'm trying to trying to keep it fresh here on the show because that's what's important in a relationship between two people is keeping things fresh. But you know what? 
Dude's been good. Framber Valdez has been more good than bad. You go through that game log, one hiccup here and there. This was a guy who went into Colorado, had a good start. I think next year, all of a sudden, this is a guy that's probably going to go somewhere in that number three to four uh, starting pitcher range. And I think that's a pretty good spot for him. They're not going to have Verlander next year in that rotation. So you know Valdez is going to have a spot. So that's a big positive. And uh, I think this is a guy going forward that you can certainly keep if you've somehow acquired him going into next year and you kind of see what he is, because so far this 60 game sample has been a lot more good than bad. I understand there's going to be some turnover there. Springer's probably going to leave a couple other guys, maybe some moves going on, but we're always looking for starting pitching. And look, this guy's been taking the ball every fifth day too. And you couldn't be more right about Jose Ramirez. You know, the central's very competitive. We've got Bieber on the mound tonight in a huge game there against Giolito. Great to see those kind of guys matching up. That's going to be a fun baseball game tonight. But Jose Ramirez, man, the guy has just been outstanding. And that central's tough. Stuff because of the White Sox, stuff because of those Indians, and, of course, those Twins as well. Yep, and the Twins win again yesterday. And uh, no surprise that one of the hottest players on their team right now, because he gets hot in bunches, is outfielder Byron Buxton. And after the game yesterday and after hitting another home run, and by the way, a leadoff home run, Buxton now leading off for the Minnesota Twins, talked about how much he enjoys being in that position. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun hitting leadoff. Um, it's a lot of fun just going up there, trying to set the tone and, and get our team started to, to do what we know how to do. So, um, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, it, it don't really matter where, where I'm at in the lineup. You know, I got the same approach, same, you know, mental mental game. So it's one of those things where you, you just go up there, you see a good pitch to hit, and, and you want to put a good swing on it. Buxton is one of those players that I would love to see over 162 games to see if this is <laughs> I mean, because I, I just don't know. And if you take a look at Buxton's numbers this year, he, he has 13 home runs. He's hitting 268. Of course, he's not going to be a great on-base guy. But his 13 home runs is three shy of his career high. And so in 60 games, remember, he'd have almost another 100 left probably for him. He's only stolen a base. And that's, you know, that's just the, the product of the season. But five home runs in his last seven games, I feel like we have been down this road with Buxton before. So we're going to leave the regular season, Joe, wondering if this is the beginning of what we've been waiting for with Byron Buxton. And I still don't think that we'll know going into next year. I don't I don't I mean, it looks like it. It look it looks like this is the 25 home run, maybe 20. I don't know why he's not stealing this year, but 15, 20 steal guy that we've been waiting for. It's been drafted and overdrafted for the last three years. Maybe the time is next year. I just, it, it's hard to know with such a short season. It all depends on cost, Greg. It depends on ADP. It depends on how much you're willing to spend in an auction draft on him. And it's not a definitive moment here. This is not a definitive run for him. I'm sorry. It's a good run, but we've seen good runs out of Buxton before. I think it's kind of troubling that over the entire season so far, he only has one stolen base. It is 60 games. One, one stolen base. See, that's the big thing. When you're looking at him, you're looking at a guy that's not always going to have maybe the greatest batting average, certainly not the best OBP. So in those kind of uh, five by five leagues that have OBP, you're going to sacrifice quite a bit with Byron Buxton, but you sacrifice that and you'll make that trade off for stolen bases. Now, if he's not stealing bases, well, I could find power and pop anywhere. And I could probably find a better OBP than 270 something. That's for damn sure. So I think that's where I struggle with this. Now, if you're telling me he's going to go late again and I can take him as a flyer, okay, that's fine. My is 
people will want to build their own narrative that's positive about Byron Bucks. And he was a very high draft pick. I want to say he was taken second overall that year. Maybe it was third. I'm trying to remember. I'm getting old. But I know it was a top three pick that year. And my concern is this was a, a dude that throughout his career in the minor leagues had numerous injuries, missed a lot of developmental time. And I feel like he's had to for better or basically for worse, learn at the major league level. And that is always a difficult thing for a player to develop at the major league level because we as fantasy owners, especially, and most of the fans out there don't have a lot of patience for these guys to kind of figure it out. And you're asking them to figure it out on a level where the pitching is the best it possibly can be, the defense is the possibly it can be, and all of that stuff is at the highest level. And some guys do it. Others fail miserably. Now, Buxton, I still think is in between, and you're right. The sentiment that you're throwing out there is 100% correct. Oh, if I could only get a good sample of Byron Buxton over 162 game season. Well, so far, we haven't been able to get that. We're not going to get that this year. And who knows if we can get it next year. For me, Byron Buxton next year is about one thing. Cost. ADP. What is it going to be for me to find out? Because I can tell you right now, if he's going as a number two or number three outfielder based on the stolen bases from 2019 and the power surge from 2020, then I think you're playing with fire. That's a very dangerous game. Two years ago, he also finished the season in September with, I believe, five home runs in the final week of the year, and it didn't really translate. Maybe he is just that guy that gets hot at different times. But, you know, actually, we may have some sampling in the postseason because the Twins look like a pretty good team, and we'll see how he performs leading off. But, look, the Twins are very good. It would be nice because this was, as you mentioned, an uber prospect that everyone had as the next great thing, and certainly a lot of players have passed him up, no doubt about that. Okay, we got Waiver Wire Wednesday coming up, and I made a couple of additions one of my fantasy teams this morning had to make a couple of picks. I hate the waiver wire on Wednesday. I think it should be Thursday for everybody. Get the practice in on Wednesday. Make your pickups on Thursday. Then you can make Friday and Saturday, too. I, I hate having to make that early decision, but had to make it. Ended up acquiring two players in a league, and I'm only in two leagues, so it's important. We'll talk about that coming up next. But, of course, Chris has the update, and then... It is game four of the Eastern Conference Finals. I feel like we waited a week for this game, and the Celtics and Heat will play again tonight. And so we'll see if Boston can tie the series up, or does the Heat go up 3-1? to one. We'll take a quick break, and that's what we have next. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid, and go over to SportsGrid.com for all of our programming and all of our videos on demand on YouTube. And if you wouldn't mind and you enjoy us, if you could hit the subscribe button, and then this way you can... Watch the show whenever you want. Let us know that you like us. We'll be right back on Fantasy Sports today. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. What's going on? I am Greg Sussman, joined today by Jeremy Stein of Sports Grid. Here to break down tonight's Eastern Conference Finals matchup between the Celtics and the Heat. What's going on, Jeremy? Not too much. Gordon Hayward is back, which is changing the complexity of this series. You actually predicted earlier in, earlier in the series that, hey, this is our last chance potentially to use Marcus Smart in this spot because Gordon Hayward's coming back. Well, he's back. We'll talk about how that affects Marcus Smart here in a little bit. We begin tonight with the MVP, which comes from the Miami Heat. You're going away from Jimmy Butler, but you're going with Bam Adebayo. Yes, Jimmy Butler does not have 
upside from a fantasy perspective. To be honest, he really doesn't, even though he is the best player on the court. Bam is probably going to play close to 40 minutes, and he's going to get a lot of opportunities on both sides of the ball. I think he has the most upside of any player on the floor, so that makes him an easy choice for this spot. Bam can do it all, both offensively and defensively, and of course, that offside seems unlimited with the price that Jimmy Butler is tonight. Well, the upside is just a little bit capped for us. We're going away and fading Jimmy Butler tonight. We go in other directions and we spread out that cash. And that cash will include here at the star spot where you're locking in Jalen Brown tonight. Brown is priced at $13,000 on FanDuel. And why Brown over someone like Jason Tatum? Is it again price and ceiling? It's absolutely price. Um, Jason Tatum is very expensive, but what you see is they're pretty comparable from an offensive slot. So to fit everybody into the lineup that I'm looking for tonight, I'm looking to pay down for somebody that I still think is going to put up a lot of volume. He's going to play a ton of minutes and he's going to take a lot of shots. So as long as he is knocking those down, he's going to be a great value in this position. Jason Tatum is the most expensive player on the slate. He's priced at $16,000. Bam's actually second, but by fading Jimmy Butler and fading Jason Tatum, you have the opportunity to really fill out your lineup nicely, and that's where a guy like Jalen Brown comes in. Again, with that offside, with his ability, uh, you're in a good spot when you lock him into your lineups. Moving on, we get to the pro spot here, Jeremy. And as your pro this evening, you're going with Goran Dragic, someone you've relied on throughout the NBA playoffs. He's almost had like a renaissance playoffs as he's gone through the Eastern Conference and he's just simply dominated. Tonight, he's priced at $10,500. I think he's a player that will likely be under own purely because he did not perform well from a fantasy perspective last game. And to be honest, I think that that is just pure variance. He's been electrifying throughout the entire playoffs, and to get him at this price with a multiplier is very attractive. The fact that he could be down tonight, just an ownership percentage because of that rocky uh, last contest, well, it's a good time to get in there because as we said, he has just been so good. We expect him to get back to that here tonight. Now, last time we talked about the Celtics and the Heat, we talked a lot about Gordon Hayward and Marcus Smart. And possibility this is the last time you're going to utilize them. But here, as we fill one of our utility spots, you're going back to the well. You are going to Marcus Smart. It's not going to be Gordon Hayward. Why the change of heart here? The only change of heart is the minutes differential. We saw that he played five minutes more than Gordon Hayward in addition to being priced $1,000 less. So I think those combinations make it an easier fit for my roster this evening. However, at some point throughout this series, I do expect the minutes to flip. I do expect to see Hayward playing a lot more because he is such a key component for this team. And he really is the missing piece that they need to actually come back and win this series. If Gordon Hayward is the missing link, well, it's time that Boston gets going with it. We'll see if those minutes flip-flop tonight. Hopefully, it's not the case with Marcus Smart locked and loaded in a utility spot. But we're not putting in any of the uh, multiplier spots just in case uh, it comes back to haunt us tonight. So getting Smart in the utility spot makes sense. Hey, you do have another utility spot if you want to throw Gordon Hayward in there as well. Jeremy Stein, we appreciate the time. Good luck tonight. Thank you. Have a good, good one. 
We will have a great one and a good one as we tune in to the Eastern Conference Finals tonight. Everybody, enjoy the game. We'll see you back here tomorrow as we preview the next game in the Western Conference Finals between the Lakers and the Nuggets. Enjoy the night, and we'll see you back here next time for another edition of the NBA Tip Trail. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Thanks again to Greg and Jeremy breaking down the game tonight between the Heat and Celtics. I'll have my eye on that, as well as the Miami Marlins and Atlanta Braves. Uh, A lot of fun sports going on right now. Hopefully you guys are enjoying it. Uh, Waiver Wire, of course, is today. Uh, Two moves I made, Joe, before we get to uh, this here. The two moves I made was uh, on a fab budget of 125. I think you and I discussed last week that was the the budget. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we're down to 124. Uh, Dalton Schultz added him for uh, mm. 17 or 16 i think and cut hooper i don't know if that's going to burn me but uh, we ended up doing that and then um cut gore unfortunately <gasps> and added, no. and added uh, Not jeff you. wilson <laughs> okay yeah, yeah I, I i mean i i just don't like at indianapolis I, I i love frank gore i think he's a hall of famer but i i'd even i would have kept him if i thought that he could get another six or seven points this week but now indy is a tough defense like i don't know like that's it is. on the road no, too I, I, those are good moves and i think schultz you'll be happy with especially in this game because the seattle defense didn't look all that great against the patriots they got carved up pretty good uh so as far as i'm concerned i mean Dak's gonna kind of do the same thing to them so look schultz has shown not only in the last game this week but also in week one that he's going to get some target volume. And as we were talking about, he's also a good blocker, which means he's going to get snaps. So if you're getting snaps, you're on the field, you can catch the football, that's good. Just can't fumble. No turnovers, Dalton, not this week. Otherwise, all of a sudden, the targets all of a sudden just begin to disappear magically. You can't have that happen. Right, and and tight end is a dicey position. We'll get to that in a second. But first, let's look at the quarterbacks that potentially could be added. And look, at this stage, I think most people have Burrow on a roster, and if not, he should be rostered. But Ryan Tannehill's at about 50%. Minshew has a matchup on Thursday night. There's probably some temptation for people to use him. But uh, we really haven't had, other than Locke, any serious injuries in terms of the NFL, Joe. And I see Herbert here at a very small percentage, Superflex. That's obviously the best way to go about that. Uh, I don't feel like, honestly, outside of Burrow as a backup, I don't think that you're going to see a lot of quarterback moves being made unless you're making a preemptive one. As an example, if you think, for example, Tom Brady is not the same guy, if you think Drew Brees is not the same guy, if you're worried about what Roethlisberger, he looked okay, but if you're worried about Roethlisberger, then maybe you're making a preemptive move for the, a move for the future. But I don't see any of these starting this week. Do you? Hmm. Uh, I can see Tannehill starting. Uh, I certainly can. And I can make a case for Burrow over guys like Tom Brady, who we're just mentioning. I mean, he's going to go on the road in Denver, a place where historically he hasn't played very well in his career. And then on, on top of that, you know, still got some injuries there to the wide receivers. We'll see if Godwin's going to be healthy enough to really be a go. But the the roster percentage of Joe Burrow is a little uh, skewed. It's very high. It's 71%, except for the fact that you have to account that there's a good chunk of keeper and dynasties in that grouping that have him so you have to keep that in mind that if you're in a redraft league there's actually a, a decent chance that he is still floating around there after this past week so if he is get him on your roster because i think going forward that cincinnati defense is terrible he's always going to be in games having to push the ball forward he can score points with his legs too uh i think that Minshew is in play this week in miami and look let's be honest roethlisberger hasn't been great i think he will be better uh drew Brees hasn't been dazzling either and there's no michael thomas and herbert i think is a must add this week because if he plays well again against carolina which is a real cookie matchup for him 
He played well against the Chiefs last week. We'll see if that carries over. If it does, you want to get him now. You don't want to wait in super flex. You got to get that third quarterback if you have him, especially because bye weeks are going to be starting very soon. Over to the tight end position, you're looking at numbers here that are going to be very much inflated by tomorrow. Uh, Drew Sample of Cincinnati saw uh, seven catches this past week. His number will be at five or ten for sure. Schultz, I'm going to guess, is going to be – I mean, he's a cowboy, so you know that the people are going to be in on him. He's going to be 30%, 40%, maybe even higher, only 2% right now as we speak. That's going to change. Mo Ali Cox, I don't know if people will buy in off the one game that he had, but he's very low owned. And then Jordan Reed is is not someone uh, that I want any part of, but he's one percent. But the 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 first three you mentioned, Joe, I think you're going to see a significant bump this week, and I would say the first two will probably be started in a lot of twelve team leagues. It's rare that you get four tight ends in a week that are viable, let alone four that have an ownership percentage or a roster percentage somewhere under 2%. It's kind of crazy. Now, if you watched Waiver Wire Wednesday last week on Fantasy Sports Today, well, for $1, you added Dalton Schultz. This week, it's probably going to cost you a lot more. Craig said he played double digits, and chances are that's what you have to do, and you have to pay that cowboy premium most likely for him, and that's just an unfortunate set of circumstances but it's the truth right now and i do think he's going to see a fair amount of target volume in this game against seattle and i would be starting him over guys like austin hooper right now who we just talked about yesterday whether you want to cut him or cut jack doyle that's a definitive question you have to ask yourself at the very least i think you have to bench them till you have a little bit more of a positive upswing in their fantasy points now the good news is drew samples out there too and i really like what i saw at a sample whether or not it comes to fruition and, and actually carries over from week two to week three We'll find out, but regardless, I think there's upside here. So I would be adding him. He's going to cost you a lot less than Dalton Schultz probably will, which is ironic because I think Samples was going to be a more integral part of the offense. And when you look around, uh, yeah, A.J. Green, ton of targets, hasn't converted a ton. Boyd's been good. Mixon's been okay. There's room for all this offense to grow, and that being said, Sample can grow along with it. Moali Cox could be a guy that we're just chasing last very, very full I would be very afraid of starting him, but I would be all in for getting him on my team if you can get him for four or five bucks because he has two good games in a week, in a row, excuse me. Then all of a sudden you can flip him. Uh, and then the last one's Jordan Reed, which you can't, I mean, outside of a streamer, that's it. I mean, Jordan Reed is a huge injury risk. We know Kittle is working his way back, so that's a bad combination of things. So I would not be chasing last week for Jordan Reed. A lot of people will. The only case you can make for Jordan Reed is even with Kittle back, with all the other injuries, guys like Ayuk, guys like Samuel. Right. The only guy left yeah. there is Kendrick Bourne, so at least Jordan Reed might get enough this week, even if Kittle returns, to be useful. But outside of the month of September, it's hard to see him having a role in this offense. Yeah, and and, and look, even if Garoppolo's iffy, Mullins is pretty good, so I, I think their offense yeah. will be okay, but they, they have had a lot of injuries, and going into this week, a dangerous matchup again. They didn't fly back from New York. They just stayed there. They're going to play on that field again. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of last week, so we'll see. Okay, uh, coming up next here uh, on our Waiver Wire Wednesday show, we're going to touch on the running back position in fantasy and tell you some percentages of players who are out there, and you can still pick up. And then we'll get on wide receivers. Chad will be with us a little bit later to go over the injury in fantasy football. We'll be right back with more fantasy sports today here on Sports Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
It is Waiver Wire Wednesday on Fantasy Sports Today. Key decisions that you're going to have to make on your fantasy football team this week. Some of you probably had to make your decision already as you're watching this show here on Wednesday. If you're watching on demand, perhaps you missed us uh, and you missed your waiver wire. You already did some things that maybe you're regretting. That's okay. Don't forget, we're here Monday through Friday from noon to 2 Eastern. Just hit us up on Twitter at SportsGrid, at Craig Mish, at Joe Pizapia17. We certainly can answer any question that you have even before Wednesday if you're looking to make some key decisions. Speaking of which, the running back position is going to be a hot one this week. Maybe the hottest one in years but there's a difference between hot waiver wires joe and actually making the right moves because certainly we know mm-hmm. that barkley is out here and we know now that christian mccaffrey was placed on injured reserve i don't know if i mentioned that earlier but he was so he's going to be out for three weeks as well and somebody that who's dear to my heart and Raheem Mostert looks like he's doubtful this week and his backup tevin coleman is also out so there's a minimum of three openings this week and you never know there could be more So that means that somebody in your 12-team league or 14-team league or 10-team league is looking on the waiver wire to pick up someone and potentially even start them this week. And, Joe, I don't love the choices. I got to be honest. I don't (laughs) love unloading the bankroll on these choices. There are weeks in the past where I, I would see, and I'll just use this year as an example, like a Benny Snell and think, oh, man, that could be the guy the rest of the year. Like, like there's no one that jumps off the page for me that I want to unload on. Maybe Henderson on the Rams, maybe. Like, that's the one guy that if he has a great game, I can see him maintaining it. But other than that, I feel like these are all fillers on my fantasy team, and, and people are going to overreact, I think, this week. I don't think your instincts are wrong here. I think most of these are streamers or fillers and people are going to overreact. And none of these are solutions to replacing the productivity from Saquon Barkley or the productivity from CMC. There's just no way. You're not replacing that sort of productivity in your fantasy life. These are number one and two overall players. So you need a collective of guys, which is why I think one of the interesting things to do this week is actually consider trading CMC because this is the same injury that Saquon Barkley had last year and we all knew that lingered for quite a while also if carolina continues to lose football games why would you rush him back you're getting closer and closer to maybe getting the quarterback of the future here as a couple of teams that we thought were going to start out rough haven't but if the panthers do that could change things considerably now look when you look at this list if josh kelly is still available in your league you see he's rostered in 39 percent of leagues right now that's the guy that I'm unloading the tank for. I, I'm going to go after him very aggressively. It's a really good matchup for him this week against Carolina. Uh, they're at home. They're probably going to have some kind of a lead in that game, you would imagine. And he's going to get plenty of work. And not only that, he's looked good in two weeks with the workload he's gotten. And you know he's got a definitive role in the offense. That is great. That's some tangible stuff we can work off of. The next name on this list is Daryl Henderson. And, and I kind of feel like he is that next guy that if you're willing to take a shot, there's at least upside there. The upside is... Malcolm Brown's dealing with an injury right now with his finger. Uh, Cam Akers is going to be out for at least this week, maybe more. And Henderson has an opportunity, at least, to run away with the job. He's also familiar in the offense. That's another good combination where you could be aggressive there. The next grouping is more about streamers. Mike Davis is a streamer. Same thing with Bonifin. If you want to go that route, I just don't see the game script working out for Bonifin the way I do for Mike Davis. Mike Davis showed he can catch the football. Even if his ceiling is somewhere around 10 points, okay, you take the 10 points and you kind of move on and you try to do your best, but that is not replacing CMC. That's not going to do it. It's not going to cut it. What you're better off doing is trying to make some deals and some trades and get creative and acquire some players, trade the surplus of things that are working on your roster and see if you can do that. And if that means trading cmc and getting back 
I don't know, uh, maybe Miles Sanders and something else. Some people might be willing to do that because they see the big name of Christian McCaffrey and they see, oh, he's going to be back in two weeks or three weeks. Well, yeah, maybe. But then again, how is he going to be back? What's he going to look like when he's back? We saw Saquon Barkley come back last year early. That was great. We all thought wasn't so great on the field. And I think there's real concern. Jarek McKinnon is the other really good streamer this week because of what Craig is saying there with Mostert being out uh, with obviously Tevin Coleman being out. Sure. Wilson's going to get some moments, maybe in standard league too. He's a good pickup because of the touchdown equity he brings, but McKinnon looks sharp and McKinnon has shown when he's healthy and on the field, like he was for the Minnesota Vikings. He could be a useful fantasy player. He to me has the most upside of all these guys. This week, if you're just looking to stream in a streaming situation, Jarek McKinnon, if you're good for long-term upside, uh, Joshua Kelly, and you're looking for Daryl Henderson and the rest of these guys, I mean, Miles Gaskin, what are your thoughts on him? And then obviously the Giants guys, we can break them down, but Craig, that is definitely the first tier for me. And then we're going to Gaskin and the Giants guys is that second tier in terms of targets. Yeah, Gaskin and Kelly were Pac-12 running backs, and and so was Love on Washington. Um, you you could go through the years and find a lot of them, and it, a lot of the Pac guys are boom or bust. There's there really not a lot of middle ground there just because they see softer defenses and more uh, open offenses as well. Uh, you know, uh, there was a player a few years ago, Joe, I'm sure you remember, he was in the NFL for a short period of time. I don't think he is anymore. I, don't, I haven't even heard his name, but his name was LaMichael James. He was on uh, Oregon. No, oh, I remember. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was fantastic. And, like, the immediate crossover was, oh, this guy's going to be great in the NFL. The Pac-12 does not produce running backs at that level like some of the other places do. Uh, Zach Moss at Utah. It's just, it's not a pro-style running offense. A lot of the offensive lines are not fantastic, so you really don't know what they're going to end up being coming out of that. It's more of a speed game. And I think that, for me, that's where I put uh, Gaskin specifically. He was really good at Washington. His numbers stack up against anybody in the country a few years ago, over 1,000 yards. Kelly, the same thing at UCLA. But uh, Kelly, the reason why I agree with you here, and I think he's in a really good spot, is because he doesn't have to be the guy. Is that he could be the secondary guy there. And the Chargers, for the last decade or so, have had tandem running backs for whatever reason. The only right. time that they have is with Tomlinson. Other, and even with Tomlinson, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, where whatever it was, they had Turner there too. So I, I think that most teams are two NFL-type guys, or two running back-type guys, and I think the Chargers fit that. So you know, certainly I'd be in on Kelly. I would love to think that Henderson, if he had a good week, and I don't want that to happen, I have Akers, but if that did happen, I could see him – I had him last year too, Henderson, thinking he was going to take over at one mm-hmm. point. Maybe this is it. We'll we'll just have to see. All right, yeah, I took a flyer receiver. on Henderson. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say I no. took a flyer on Henderson in a couple of drafts, and I've just been sitting on the shares waiting to see. And this is a tough start this week, obviously against Buffalo. That's not the easiest defense yeah, to throw him out there against. But at the same time, I, I see what's happening, and, and I know we want to transition to. I know we got some time left though, but for wide receivers, but. I know people are going to attack really aggressively that giant situation. And I feel like they're going to be let down and more so by Dion Lewis. I personally, if Devonta Freeman's out there, I can understand throwing some cash there. I get it. Uh, he has the most opportunity to be that lead back kind of guy. But I think you also have to temper your expectations there. I would not be throwing any, any money at Wayne Gallman and hardly any at Dion Lewis. Dion Lewis might be one guy you could play this week, but again, you want to play him against the 49ers. I don't think that's a great idea. Would you be throwing any money at any of these guys or the Giants before we move on to wide receiver? No, I 
I've stated it before. I will state it again. For no money and free, I would pick up Bonifon in every league. That's what I would do. Okay. And, and again, if he doesn't play this week or he's nothing, then cut him. But I watched the, the two games that he played extensively in. He's He reminds me a little bit, if you remember the running back on Tennessee, uh, Brown. Remember him? Chris Brown. Mm-hmm. You know, just real big, tall guy. Doesn't catch passes. Just kind of runs straight up. But when he gets free, you can't stop him. He reminds me of him. Uh, look, they fell out of favor with him, clearly, in in, uh, in Carolina. I mean, he didn't even make the team. He made the practice squad. They actually have a guy ahead of him, some guy Connor or something like that, uh, second. But I, I thought that he could be okay. So to me, yeah. if it's a 0% for free, put him at the end of the bench. If you have the injured guy, put that guy in injured reserve. Put Bonifan there just to see what happens. That's the one that I, that's the yeah, one that I if, want just because I saw that last and year. if James White doesn't play this week for obviously the issues with right. you know with his mom and, and losing his dad, uh, I think Rex Burkhead as a streamer this week too will cost you nothing. Where you could pick him up probably after waivers run, plug him in there for another week, and I think he can be I productive. Told you Rex PGR. Burkhead was still on the Patriots. Well, we were talking about the, ago. I knew. I, I didn't even know he was. Still on the I asked you. Yeah. I said, of course, he's on the Patriots, and I said he was. You asked the question. I said, of course, oh, he's no, on the you Patriots. You did not. You love the yes, other guy. Yes, I did. I no, well, oh, he's no. still he's, there. When you were you were dismissing Burkhead for the other guy, I was what dismissing was, what's the him. I was dismissing Who's the guy him. the Patriots? The third guy. Oh, Damian Harris. Yeah, Thank I was you. dismissing you, Burkhead Harris. for Harris, oh, Harris. because Harris. of Sandy Michelle. On IR. <laughs> That's the problem. Burkhead. Don't forget Burkhead. He's healthy. You're okay. Right. All right. Receivers. He's, he's, he, what is it? Not a fact that the guy is hurt, and now you're mentioning Burkhead. So there you go. Waiver wire Wednesday. Let's do it for the wide receivers. Russell Gage, 22%. Nikhil Harry, 27%. Corey Davis should be at least 50% owned. Valdez Scanling had a pretty good game last week. I was impressed with that. Michael Pittman. 15%. He looked pretty good. Uh, Cole, 3%. And Chenault seems to be coming into his own and has a pretty good matchup this week against the Dolphins. I, you know, that's, that's the tough thing is these Thursday night games is having to get ready for that. But uh, Harry seems to have a little bit of a rapport, Joe, with, with Cam Newton. And I wonder if that's something that's going to continue. Yeah, uh, I think it's going to continue, and I think it's going to grow, and it's at least worth speculating over. You can throw a few bucks on him, maybe get him for $7, $8 on Fab. I don't think you have to go to double digits to get Nikhil Harry, and I think you could watch and see as that relationship continues to blossom. Let's hope that it does. It's a good matchup there against the Raiders, too. They're at home. I think there's a significant upside there. And you're looking for somebody to emerge as another red zone threat. So if Nikhil Harry can do that, his fantasy value could take off. Uh, Russell Gage becomes even more intriguing now this week because there's a lot of news about Julio Jones not practicing, dealing with that hamstring issue. So there could be more volume going Russell Gage's way in this contest against the Bears. You're right, Corey Davis should be over 50% already. Once again, A.J. Brown's going to be out again this week, most likely. And then MVS I picked up last week on the one-off because I figured he was going to be one of these guys that if the longer I wait, the more it's going to cost me. And chances are if you waited, now it's going to cost you more. It's kind of the same thing like Corey Davis. If you see something something in week one just throw a dollar at it just to see and if you don't see it week two you cut it you drop it you move on but what happens is then two weeks in a row all of a sudden it's the same thing that happened to me last year with dj shark i waited on dj shark i wasn't buying week one i couldn't have been more wrong week two the price went through the roof and i didn't get him i tried to bid everywhere and i wasn't able to but all the names on the list are viable this week Pittman's viable this week because of the opportunity there in this matchup against the Jets. They're good against the run, not good against the pass at all. And as far as Keelan Cole and LaVisca Chenault, 
Again, Thursday you're talking about, that is something you have to keep in mind to make a decision. I wouldn't play either of them, but I got to give Davis Maddock right here of Sports Secured all the credit in the world. I kind of rolled my eyes when he told me about Chenault being involved in the offense early on with Jacksonville, and I didn't see that happening, and he was absolutely right. So good job by Davis Maddock. That's why you watch the channel because you get great information like that. Davis was all over Chenault, and so far every week he seems to be growing in this offense, and that's a good thing. And Now is the time to get him on the bench at least. But I would say all the guys from MVS up are worthy of starting this week. Yeah, you're right. He and uh, we did a radio show. He mentioned the same thing with Chenault. So no doubt, Davis did a great job with that call there for sure. Uh, just a couple quick notes before we break here, and then we'll come back and wrap up this first hour of the show. Uh, several reports from the San Francisco Chronicle. Let me give you a couple of them. The first one says Tevin Coleman being placed on the injured list, so certainly that eliminates him from the running back situation in San Francisco. But just to murky this up a little bit, the Chronicle also says that Jeff Wilson is the likely running back to get the most carries this week as they take on the New York Giants. So perhaps a little bit of a a couple extra bucks thrown at Wilson's way if you're in on McKinnon or vice versa. Maybe you need both those guys this week. But either way, no Moster. It doesn't look like Moster will play on Sunday. Also, uh, Kittle's status seems to still be in doubt given the playing they're saying in New York. Okay, coming up next, it is time to go through the 2-0 teams in the NFL and which ones of them are good and which ones kind of look like they've been a little bit lucky starting off the season undefeated. We'll touch on that next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. This is Sports Grid. You can catch all of our programming 24 hours a day, seven days a week over on sportsgrid.com. Check out the site for all the latest in fantasy, wagering, and fun. We'll be right back. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you as we get ready for another week of fantasy football coming up tomorrow night. Miami Dolphins. Taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars, we'll preview that game against the spread tomorrow here on the show. We'll also later in the week look at the Las Vegas Super Contest at the Westgate. We'll break those games down with Howard Bender, of course, do DFS with Jim Sanis. And coming up in just 15 minutes from now, Dr. Chow, pro football doc, will be with us going over all of the injuries coming up this week. But, Joe, we have several teams that are 2-0 and in the NFL, and there are also some teams in the NFL that are 2-0 and that have gotten off to these starts that – you may not be sure that they're real, and it's like a fantasy reality type question, but let's take a look here. The Bears are off to a 2-0 start. So are the Raiders after their win a couple nights ago. The Cardinals look great at 2-0 as well. Tennessee Titans, not a surprise. Start off undefeated. And the Rams, I, I suppose some people are probably surprised, and, and they went into Philadelphia as an underdog, a slight 1-1, one and one, so that's a surprise as well. But I would ask you, Joe, of these 2-0 teams, who do you think is a phony? I think the Bears are definitely the biggest phony. The Raiders might be, too. And I don't know if we're going to have a definitive answer on that because we talked about yesterday, the Raiders play up or down to their competition historically. So if they're going to play up this week in New England against the Patriots, well, let's see how they handle some of the lesser teams in the NFL. But to me, it's the Bears. They shouldn't have won that first game. Uh, They kind of got lucky there. Swift dropped that ball at the end. And this past week, they didn't have to face Saquon Barkley for three quarters. So, I mean, that certainly makes the Giants a lot easier to play against. So, for me, it's it's definitely the Bears. And I think, uh, I'll tell you what, I think the Cardinals are, are a good offensive team. I just worry about that defense. Uh, but their schedule, even this week, is pretty good. So, how about you, Craig? Who do you think is the uh, 
the worst of the two and O undefeated teams. Yeah, I, I would probably agree Chicago, but look, I, 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 I saw the Rams get off to a good start last year and then sort of fall apart in the second half. And even though Goff has been really good, he's, he's really hard to trust. So I'm, I'm going to say that even though the Rams are 2-0 and also, I think that there's going to be some regression with them. So I'd probably go Bears, Rams, Raiders, uh, and Titans and Cardinals. I mean, Titans are good for sure. I mean, they're, they were good last year. I, I can't say that mm-hmm. they're not going to be good. And the Cardinals are off to a great start. They look legit, but still some time to go for sure. Okay, coming up next, we'll go through the headlines in fantasy sports, go through some injuries and some fantasy reality. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today on Sports. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 